means we're in good shape just like the big boys <laughs> back when the beatles invented two-track recording in 1958 <laughs> i have no idea if that's true it's not i don't think it is <laughs> pretty sure it's not true so welcome to the duke and duchess podcast welcome 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 back again because if you're listening to this you probably listen to two other podcasts because this is episode number three I have a good feeling about this one. Uh, good, I'm glad. I do. Yeah. I feel like this is going to be the one. <laughs> good. This is like the third date podcast. This is where it's just all going to fall into place on this one. Where it's not going to happen at it, all. It, no, it totally, it's going to happen. There you go. It's going to happen. Getting a good vibe. <laughs> all right, good. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. Good. So thank you for being a part of our podcast can't believe we've made it to three episodes, so this is technically episode two, because I'm going to call the first one episode zero. It counts as a date. Sure. Absolutely. I would. <laughs> I would. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? Uh, today, we are talking about chapters seven through 16 of Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. That is first correct. First book of the King Killer Chronicles. And I'm super excited. Yeah. Before we get too far, I want to get into our spoiler policy. Spoiler it up. Because yeah. we got to talk about that every Don't episode. Don't spoiler it up. You can't assume that people are jumping in at the beginning because you don't know what's going to happen. So we, why don't you tell a little bit about your experience with the book? I'll tell it with mine, which, you know, one sentence. Uh, so I have read this book several times. I have read this book never. So that should give you a good hint as to what our spoiler policy is going to be because... Uh, you know, me having not had anything to do with this book before, I'm going to do everything I can to remain unspoiled, unsullied, unblemished, and make sure that I get the full experience of it. So we are not going to talk about spoilers um, in this, although when we do other, we will eventually do other things other than Name of the Wind. We may change that policy, but for at least for Name of the Wind and for now, it'll be a no spoiler type thing. If you see Chad in the grocery store, don't tell him what happens in chapter 17. He no. hasn't read that one yet. I haven't. I haven't Don't read. tell him. So sp- It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of chapter 17, what are, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because we, we Don't put me on the spot. I'll answer that question later. Oh, so we can't tell our listeners what we're going to read next? We are going to read some chapters after chapter 17. Ooh. Um. Let's let's get to that at the end. Ouch. I guess we're going to. Okay. All right. So we will get to that at the end. So we want to get into our kind of quick chapter overview or the section overview. So we read 7 through 16. Yeah. So this this is where I feel the story really starts to kick off. And um, we both starts to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um we um, meet his family. We meet his first tutor. Um, a lot of the, the pivotal players of his childhood. Um, we get to see kind of his early training. Um, we witness what was really the first big turning point in his life. Um, then we have we have Bast come and finally meet Chronicler in the present. 
um, storyline and we learn something pretty important about him. Mm-hmm. And um, overall, just I think the the overall narrative structure starts to develop. We kind of realize that, okay, the story is going to be told mostly in flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's yeah. kind of the overview of the section as I saw it. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing, you know, from my perspective, because I read those first five chapters or six chapters, I'm sorry, first six chapters twice, um, you know, and really kind of delved into them. And of course, you know, my, that was my only experience. So I'm looking at them kind of in isolation. And, you know, at that point, we're not getting into the to the flashbacks. And Quoth is not Quoth, he's Cote. And there really seems to be a distinct difference when he's in that Quoth mode from who Cote was that we were introduced to. I mean, it's the same person, you know, but even the Chronicler talks about how different he is. And this section that we're doing today is so completely different from what we did last week. Yeah. And, you know, one of the themes that I see throughout the book and one of the things I, I really like about it is how um, the author talks about what what makes us who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we change throughout our lives and and what parts of our personality are us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how people change is, does that make them a different person? You know, what, what are the immutable aspects of our personality of a character? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, you just see that really play out when you see, when you follow Quoth from, um, his childhood on. And so we get to kind of see who he was as a child in this section. And, um, it's just really interesting, yeah. um, to compare that to the, the character that we've met in, in Kote. Yeah. And we were going to initially do this as seven through 12. And then we added, um, or seven to, through 13, I think it was actually. And then we added chapters 14, 15 and 16. I'm glad we did because this is very much like this section is very much like two sections in a sense. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that, um, chapter seven through either 12 or 13, I forget are, um, really very much about kind of world building and setting mm-hmm. the stage um, and a lot of exposition and uh, not not that any of that's meant in a negative way by any sense but mm-hmm. you really kind of this is where you're really kind of beginning the story mm-hmm. so you really gotta gotta lay some groundwork there so if we had stuck with that we wouldn't have had nearly as much to talk about because the really good kind of meaty juicy stuff happens in the last uh, three those extra three chapters that we decided to tack on so. and it, it's so interesting how the the difference in chapter lengths in this book i think and how some chapters are a page long some are much longer mm-hmm. but it's really about um the narrative and about you know what are the sections of that story um and one thing that jumped out to me um this time through have been the names of the chapters mm-hmm. um i kind of have have not really taken note of those in the past, but I I've, haven't. I've kind of been enjoying those. Yeah, yeah. And in particular, one of them that we're going to talk about later, I just noticed as I was rereading this again, the, that the name of the chapter was, it, um, was really interesting as far as what happens in it. So good. Well, I'll look forward to your observations on that. Cause I have not been paying attention. Well, I'll lay them on you. Sweet. <laughs> so, um, so let's get into chapter seven. Okay. And that one is called Of Beginnings and the Names of Things. And names are an important theme in this as well. And I, I mm. think they it goes along with what we were talking about before with, um, you, you know, the theme of identity and what yeah. makes a person who he is. Mm-hmm. And names are very important, obviously, um, 
to in, in this universe. Um, so remind me briefly what happens in chapter seven, because I, I kind of think of it in the two sections that I spoke of. Right. But I really couldn't differentiate chapter seven through through twelve. Right. I kind of know what happens, but. Well, um, yeah. So in chapter seven, basically we have Quoth uh, and Chronicler talking, and and Quoth kind of beginning to tell his story, and it has mm-hmm. one of probably my favorite lines in the whole book um, where Quoth starts going on and on about um, who he is and and, and Mm -hmm. he starts to kind of lay out you start really start to see um, that other part of his character um, when he starts talking about all of the things that he's done um, mm-hmm. I have stolen princesses back from sleeping Barrow Kings. I burned down the town of Trebon. I have spent the night with Felurian and left with both my sanity and my life. I was expelled from the university at a younger age than most people are allowed in. I tread paths by moonlight that others fear to speak of during the day. I have talked to gods, loved women, and written songs that make the minstrels weep. You may have heard of me. And Braggard. I love it. I, <laughs> I do. I love it. Um, yeah, you get to you get to that's just sort of an unveiling of his character, mm-hmm. I think. And you kind of see like, okay, this is um we're we're going to get to meet sort of the legend at this point. Yeah. So and, and it's a very he's a very different person when he's quoth from Cote, which we've already discussed. But. Right. And um and we learn a little bit more about Chronicler, I think too. Um cuz we we learn that he's super smart. Yeah. Um, oh, so we're talk about the how he makes up his own language and right. how he records everything. Yeah, yeah. Right, the cipher and yeah. how mm-hmm. he, and you can tell this is just a guy who is used to being the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And um, he he meets Quoth and he's he's blown away. So he's got yeah. this cipher that, that he's used to being the only one who can understand it and Quoth figures it out in a matter of minutes. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and he's just stunned. And can I say the word egoliant, I just wish that was a real word. I want that... Yeah, I want that to mean something. I yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I I read on a nook, mm-hmm. and so when I run across a word like that that I've never seen before, I make sure to look it up mm-hmm. in the dictionary. And there was no definition. Really, it's <laughs> like hmm. Merriam-Webster should get on that. I mean, <laughs> I, that's it's too good a word to not have a definition, right? I <laughs> I didn't know what the hell it meant. Yeah. So, and we also learned that um, Chronicler has heard about both at the university mm-hmm. and that it, you get the sense that he sort of grew up hearing stories of him. He was kind of the legend, yeah. you know, the, the dorm room legend. Um, yeah. And it's interesting cause it, it makes me wonder, you, you know, and I don't think it's clear. Maybe I'm, maybe I've missed it, but how long has Quoth been sort of out of commission? I get the sense that it's been maybe a year or two, but not like a huge long time. Right. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's mentioned several times already that he is younger than he seems. Yeah. People look at him and realize, oh, he's actually not that old. Um, he's, he's described and, and then really throughout the, the book, he's described as being older than his age. Yeah. And, and, uh, the chronicler mentions more than once, God, he, he can't be more than, 25 right. maybe 30 like he like you know as though he expects him to be a man in his 50s and he just either he isn't or he has some sort of glamour or something mm-hmm. or he just doesn't age or, or whatever it is no and, and i think real time it really has only meant to be a few years since he has kind of retired mm-hmm. um but but chronicler did um hear about him mm-hmm. going through the school yeah. and um 
you know, he's heard these stories about him and, and Chronicler, you can tell is, um, his love for stories is what drives him. Yeah. You know, that's what he does. He goes on the road and mm-hmm. he collects stories. And at one point I think both refers to him as the great debunker. Yeah. So <laughs> I get the sense that he's, this is like his, the big fish for him. Yeah. Like he's going to find out what really happened. And I think is, is, he's kind of he he doesn't really believe most of the stories and so mm-hmm. he's out to kind of figure out figure out the truth um behind mm-hmm. this so just some interesting things about that and and we learn stuff about Quoth in this chapter too um mostly again just how smart he is yeah um and how much he's been hiding um behind his his exterior mm-hmm. yeah so then then we get into the story and for me you know the way that chapter mm-hmm. 7 ends makes me excited to get into it. Um, and so he begins to tell his story. And, and is that where chapter eight begins? That's where chapter eight begins. Okay, which makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we learn um, a couple of important things. We mm-hmm. learn that he is one of the Edamaru. Which, which is, is a cool name. Of, it's very cool. Super yes, cool name. It yeah. is super cool. And uh, so, yeah, he's sort of this wandering tribe of performers. Mm-hmm. Um and we learned that they are, they have a patron mm-hmm. who is a Greyfellow, is that? Yes, Baron Greyfellow. Okay. Um, which I'm sure has some importance. I don't know what it is yet, but, um, but yeah, so it kind of talks about, and I think this is where it really kind of just frames kind of what they were like and what they did. And uh, this is where they kind of stop into that town. Is this where that happens, where they stop into that town? And yes. They, okay. Um, and they talk about the rain and, um, you know, and he explains how, you know, we're not just any, you know, we're not just a bunch of random jugglers. Like, mm-hmm. like we're the real deal. You know, we're the Edamaru. Right. You know, as though that name should mean something to us. And, and I think eventually it does mean something to us. But um, but right now it's a really cool name. Right. And and we get to see, too, how the Edamaru are treated, um, probably not by everybody. Yeah. But, um, but by certainly by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. in their travels um and it, it's it's very much the sort of the um the the idea of of the gypsies and mm-hmm. um that trope of of the kind of wandering people and it sounds like they're not trusted or or there have been stories about them yeah um and so they they do come into this town and get a cold kind of a cold reception from the mayor mm-hmm. and are very offended but you can tell they've dealt with this before. And, you know, we get to meet um, Quill's parents and learn some interesting things about them. Mm. And um, I love these characters as well. Um, I, I, I love the depth in, in all the secondary characters of this book, mm-hmm. um, the depth and humor in all of them. But we learn that um, Quill's mother was not always... Um, Edamaru. Uh, Edamaru. She yeah. was born a noble mm-hmm. and um, was, was kind of whisked away. Yeah. So that's just kind of an interesting... Um, she was stolen. She was stolen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not what happened. It's not. She she, she got uh, she got Leanna Starked. <laughs> she got Leanna Starked. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... And we learn more about Quoth as a child, um, mm-hmm. kind of who he was. And he was 12 when the story began. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um we learned that that he's someone who's always learning. I, I liked one yeah. part in particular where he was talking about you know, learning a smattering of law from a a drunk lawyer and <laughs> um you know when he was 9 and and just here and there you can tell he's just one of these kids that's always listening, always learning. Yeah. Um very bright. 
Um, and then here is also where we meet Ben. Um, yes. Whose name, whose actual long form name was a, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it. I always said it Abenthe. I said a Benethy, but a Benethy. Yeah. It's so weird to have read these books so many times over the years and mm-hmm. have never said any of these names out loud. It, yeah, so I'm I, really excited. I just I um I only went with that pronunciation because I wanted to keep the accent on the eh and Ben. Mm-hmm. So, but that may not at all be what it's supposed to be. I have no idea. But we meet Ben, who's uh, really kind of given a hard time. They when they finally kind of get accepted into the town. Um, ben is still kind of on the outskirts. Is that correct? Is that what happens? Yes. Okay. Yes. And they, um, we also get to get an, a, another glimpse of the supernatural mm-hmm. in this world. And I love how kind of um, grounded the world building is here, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it everything feels really real. And um, it, it does this. I mean, and I think we, talked about that last time and I said at this point in the book I don't have a real good sense yet of the role magic is going to play we're clearly talking about a fantasy novel so Mm -hmm. there's going to be magic in it Um, and other than these weird you know animated mindless spiders we hadn't seen a whole lot of anything that could really be confirmed Um, you know but here in these chapters and I they all all the first part bleed into one another for me um, we start to get a little bit more of a sense of it, but I still feel like it's a very kind of low magic world to this point. Right, right. And this is kind of the first time that we see it and, and we see Ben um, call the wind. Yeah. And that I think was a was a pretty important moment in young Quoth's life because, you know, he this is this is real magic that he's seen for the first time, you know, to boil yeah, in the yeah. great magic and he wants it. Yeah, not part of tricks. He wants yeah. it. Yeah, no, that that I think was you know, hugely pivotal and I and I pretty clearly communicated. Mhm. And so, you know, over the next 3 chapters, um they're very some are very short. I think chapter 10 was another was like a one pager. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is where we see Quoth um, start to learn about sympathy, yeah, which mm-hmm. is the magical system in this book. Yeah, and, and it, um, it talks about how the you know the discipline of his mind of you know allow him to to think in two different ways at once and hiding things from himself. But he go they go through in fairly clear terms. It's very interesting yeah. and a very mm-hmm. intricate and kind of well thought out magic system, which yeah. is really important for me in reading a fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yes, I mean, I, 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 it's really interesting and not like anything I've really read before. No. The idea of, um, believing two different things at once. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And it comes back to, again, the power, the power of your beliefs. And if here we learn that the whole basis of their magic system is, believe being able to believe two different things at once and mm-hmm. we've talked before about how um um quoth is becoming cote you know um and the power of what he believes that he is and the impact that has on how he comes across exactly he is a totally different person mm-hmm. you know and and i think the name the power of the name it plays a big part in that as well mm-hmm. you know when he's cote he's a different person mm-hmm. um the so this is where Ben kind of tacks along and really kind of becomes a part of their traveling, you know, um, troop mm-hmm. for a number of months. I believe they talk about. 
I'm not sure. Actually. I believe it's a number. I get the impression that it's, you know, it's several months mm-hmm. that he's with them all the while kind of teaching uh, Quoth about all these different things. And then the next thing I remember that happens of any importance, and tell me if I'm skipping anything critical, but is really when he overhears Ben talking to his parents. Yes, and I think that that is an important moment. And and he goes a little bit more into, we learn a little bit more about the university mm-hmm. and what an arcanist is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we learn there are other um, forms of the supernatural. And mm-hmm. they talk about someone having a knack, which is sort yeah, of an yeah. unexplained trick. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That they don't really control. But that's different from sympathy, which is about will. It's about what they call alar. Yeah, yeah. You know, having that that will and that that belief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and and you get the the sense that Arcanus, these people who practice sympathy are people who, you know, they're studying that alar. And um and he's not just studying that though. I mean, he's with Ben and he is studying everything. It seems like he's teaching him. I mean, he's teaching him chemistry yeah. and mm-hmm you know, woodcraft and mm-hmm. math and science and all, all different kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so very rigorous academic training that he's going through. Yeah, all the while, you know, kind of on the road, you know, sleeping in tents and, and riding in a wagon, you know, day in and day out. But but he hears Ben over talking to, you know, with his parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is kind of where I believe chapter 12 ends, where they're talking about it. And he's saying that, um, you know, really just kind of pushing the parents to say, hey, this is a kid who needs to go to the university. Yes, that is in chapter 12. And something else important happens in chapter 12 um, in that we hear um, Ben and Quill's um, parents talking about the Chandrian again. Yeah, and his father's working on a song about it. Yes, which he won't play anybody, but he's looking for information. Right. So he's poking around, he's digging around, and we've already heard the Chandrian talked about in mm-hmm. the present storyline. Yeah, um, and it was how the book opened, pretty much. Yes. Yeah, so, so we know that's going to be important. And we've heard little things about, you know, the children's song and, and mm-hmm. fire turning blue and mm-hmm. those sorts of things have been mentioned throughout. Mm-hmm. But now we kind of hear about it a little bit more and we learn that um, Quill's father is writing a song about mm-hmm. someone named Lanray and his yep. wife Lyra and their connection to the Chandrian. And you get the sense that um, it's a difficult topic to research because people do not like to talk about the Chandrian. Mm-hmm. Chandrian are like big bad. Um, people are afraid that if they even talk about them, that'll it'll bring some kind mm-hmm. of evil upon them. Almost a Voldemort type of exactly. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting in this chapter too that, you know, here... Um, Arl has finally found someone in Ben to, to talk about the scholar, mm-hmm. someone who can like give him some information. And, um, but even Ben won't say the names of the Chandrian. Yeah. And Arl is, um, Quoth's father. Yes. Sorry, we didn't yes. specify that. Yeah. He didn't tell you that. What, what, but you read it. Keep up, people. So you probably should know. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> So I want to. Um, so this is the point, and and during that conversation, I'm just going to kind of walk you through my thought process right. here, yeah. and then I'm going to walk you through kind of how it changed. So we're so we're reading this, and he's talking about the parents, and the parents in the background just being as lovey dovey and perfect and Mary Sue so cute as they could be, so cute. And I sort of felt like at that moment I was like, 
these people are just too, too good to be real. Like, and it becomes apparent to me later kind of why that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. But it was just a little too syrupy sweet for me and all, and, and over the top when I was first, when I was reading chapter 12 Mm -hmm. and I'll walk you through as we get into the next things, kind Mm -hmm. of where that thought process took me. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole first section of chapters where it's really just kind of laying that groundwork. Right. Um, And then we get into chapter 13, which is where we're back in the present. Yes. And this, this is a very, a very different thing from the last several chapters that we've been reading. Yes. So we get a little interlude and um, we get to see Bast and Chronicler meet and it's an interesting meeting. Yeah, just, uh, to say the least. To yeah. say the least. So, and I liked, I mean, this is one of the things I've liked about the writing so far. Um, it's It reminded me, like, in the very beginning of the prologue where he talked about the the silence in three parts. Mm-hmm. You know, when he talks about Bass and he kind of goes through and describes Bass. And I remember last time I said, it felt like he didn't describe Bass a whole lot, mm-hmm. and, but here is when he does. And he talks about, you know, if you were, if you looked carefully and you knew what to look for, there was something. Mm-hmm. But he's, and he says it in so many different ways, mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of piles that on and, you know, and then he, he says, and that's the way Chronicler was looking at him when he reached up underneath of his cloak or whatever mm-hmm. and pulled out that iron, uh, ring mm-hmm. and slammed it down on the table. At which point Bast goes berserk mm-hmm. and you're thinking, what the hell just happened here? <laughs> like, you know, I knew the minute he grabbed something iron and slammed it down that this was somehow, you know, relig- religious and or magical in nature because mm-hmm. they talk about iron and, and being a, a religious thing. Um, and that was my initial impression. Later, we find out that's not really what it was. It wasn't religious in nature, um, or at least from what I can tell, it wasn't. Um, you know, and then they talk about they talk about Bast and, and how... It seems to me the description was that he was sort of like a satyr. Yes. The cloven hoofed feet and... Yes. And so Chronicler, um, you know, when he he binds the iron Mm -hmm. and uses it to basically to attack Bast. Yeah. Because we know that that the Fae are like allergic to iron. Oh, well, I I didn't remember that, so... Um, Yeah, so just like when they touched the... um, Oh, the scrail with the iron, that's it right, smoked, yeah. and we learn the bast is one of the fae, okay. and so the fae are, you know, or it's it's either heavily implied or outright said mm-hmm. that that the fae have a very very bad reaction to iron, mm-hmm. and so. Um, but he doesn't touch it with him. It's just that he, and and I wasn't quite clear on what that meant, and that's okay because I don't think I'm supposed to be at this point. Well, I mean, what he does is what I believe we've seen. Um, we've seen um, Ben and Quoth talking about where they're making a binding. So, mm-hmm. um, if you remember the scene where they were, uh, um, Ben was teaching Quoth to bind iron to his hand, and he picked up his hand, and it kind of stuck. Oh, I didn't, rem- so I didn't remember that. Yeah, yeah. I think what he did was he made a binding of iron from the iron mm. on the table to bast somehow. Gotcha. So even though it wasn't physically touching him, for all intents and purposes, it was. It was, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. And you, if you remember, he said 
he said a word. He said the name of iron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. we we learned that if you if you know the true name of something, you have power over you it. You have power over it. So mm-hmm. using the true name of iron and making a binding, he was able to to um, attack Bast and reveal his true nature. Which, you know, explains more why Bast, you know, went off and it just full on attacked him. Right. It wasn't um it wasn't as though this was no shoving match. This this very quickly, you know, escalated to right. To and we one. and we learned that Bass is not just any random satyr running around. <laughs> He's Bastus, <laughs> that, son of Raymond, uh-huh. Prince of Twilight, and of the Telwith Male. So he's not some yokel satyr. He's not. He's not your <laughs> run of the mill hanging with out his, at Walmart satyr with his satyr overalls. Exactly. His big straw hat. Hot glass Seder. He drinks his wine with his pinky out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. So. Um, All right. So not just any old Seder. But so there's a question here that I'm not clear about. And again, I'm probably not supposed to be clear about. But why does this guy go from zero to binding him to iron which is clearly you know an attack the minute he sees them which i mean that's not to say if i randomly saw a satyr in a bar i wouldn't you know freak out but i probably wouldn't seek to inflict excruciating pain upon something upon initially seeing it so that either means that there's some history here with the fae that i'm not up on or it means that he sensed some degree of danger, you know, maybe he was totally shocked by this, never seen one and only heard tales. And, and I don't know that we're supposed to know. Well, yeah, no. And I, and I think that, that the last one is what is what it was on page 93. Um, Quoth is talking, well, he introduces Chronicler to Bass and then he says, you know, um, about Chronicler, he says, he seems to be a bit innocent in the ways of the world, as demonstrated by his plentiful lack of wit in making a near suicidal attack on what I guess is the first of the folk he has ever had the luck to see. So, you know, the sense that yeah. I get is that the Fae are thought to be non-existent or stories mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And he's so shocked at seeing yeah, I mean, as probably as shocked as you or I would be, mm-hmm. you know, if we're hanging out at a friend's house and one of them turned out to be a satyr, you know. Do you think um, he would stab him, though? I guess it depends on who it was. It depends on who it was. <laughs> There's some some satyrs. Some satyrs can be real mouthy. We might just know, run man. them through. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, get her up. No names. <laughs> no names. <laughs> Other ones we'd probably be okay with. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you get a bad vibe from a satyr. <laughs> you just have to bind him with iron. Hey, you don't know what that satyr's going to do. But no, and, and I and I think it's acknowledged though that what what chronicler does is is monumentally stupid. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and, and just reacting out of kind of a knee jerk fear reaction. Yeah. Um. And and then and and Quoth has to really um kind of exert some will to get the two of them to sit down and not. Yeah, and he he, Kill each other. he pretty much puts him in their get along shirt. Basically, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and says, "You two idiots, sit here and get along, <laughs> while I go get something to drink." You know, yeah. And that kind of clears up the situation, and that's the end of the chapter. But, um, but it was a you know to kind of come out of that backstory that we've been in, and all the 
world building that we've been doing to jump kind of back into the present and then immediately into this conflict, Mm -hmm. which doesn't really at this moment doesn't have anything to do with anything we've talked about so far, you know, is just kind of an interesting left turn. And I think it was well-timed because after this is where we get back into the other chapters Mm -hmm. and things start to really happen here. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, I appreciate the timing and the well, the way that was all constructed. Right. And we need to bring Bast in at some point to be, to be, kind of part of keep him part of the story as well so yeah yeah and i i remarked last time that you know that i thought there was something about him that was not seen because he appeared to be freakishly strong Mm -hmm. with no obvious reason for why that would be Mm -hmm. you know and i guess i guess the satyrs are some buff ass dudes satyr power satyr power he's got that satyr strength now we need to we need to have it be said that he is not actually a satyr we are just choosing to call him that because he is described as having cloven hooves, but nowhere in the book is the word satyr used. <laughs> That's just the, at all. This the example just, that we have, yeah, exactly. We the, just like that word. Apparently, it's a cool word to say. It's kind of a cool word. I mean, have you ever seen a satyr that wasn't buff? I haven't. Now that I think about it, you never see a chubby satyr, Mister Tumnus. All right, fine, fine. <laughs> the worst. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Not even slightly worse. So let's so let's go from this laughing into something much much more upsetting. Right. So yes, chapters um, fourteen, fifteen, and fourteen, 16. fifteen, and sixteen. And you know, initially we weren't going to go through this because when I was kind of paging through and seeing where where I thought the the narrative breaks were, um, this I I didn't realize that this part was this late in the book. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is where we see the first kind of big turning point. Um, happen um, not until the chapter 14 I mean chapter 16 but here in chapter 14 um, something important does happen well this is where they is this where they this is where they um, find the lodestone this is where he he um, Ben asked Quoth how he would bring down an eagle oh yeah that's right yeah Mm -hmm. and so Quoth um, thinks about it Mm -hmm. and and he and again he's always in the back of his mind is that finding the name of the wind you know that real magic because Mm -hmm. overall he says he's kind of a little disappointed with sympathy yeah you know once he's mastered it it's kind of not that big of a challenge and Mm -hmm. it's not not really what he was looking for so he wants that name of the wind and um he he comes up with a plan to try and bind the air in his lungs to the air outside and so we've learned a little bit about the laws of sympathy and that yeah. the more similar something is, the easier it is to bind it to yeah. something else. Mm-hmm. So he's able to do that, but then... And much like um, much like Chronicler, who did not think through what he was doing, right? he properly binds the air inside of his lungs with the air outside of his body and then is not able to draw air because he has binded the air inside of his lungs to the outside world. And he goes through and describes the feeling as he can't breathe and is about to die. Right. And we, and we don't know how Ben gets him out of that other than that he calls the wind. Yeah. Um, And both times now that he's called the wind, like, I don't want to say it's been, it's been very subtle. mm -hmm. It's just been a very subtle thing to me, or maybe I'm just not reading it sharply. It's clear that that's what he's doing, but you know, it, Right, I mean, he just kind of calls the wind and it comes, and I guess uh, somehow he gets the wind to help 
Quoth breathe again. We yeah. don't know because Quoth backs, blacks out at that point. But it's a, mm-hmm. it's definitely a turning point in their relationship because Ben kind of realizes like, like oh my gosh, like I- I'm teaching really advanced stuff to a very to young a child. child. Yeah, yeah. You know, because Quoth, you know, is so bright and because he does act older than his age, mm-hmm. um, Ben has allowed him to progress and now he's done something that has almost killed him. Yeah, and, and this is really kind of a, you know, where things, you know, I guess Quoth has to to gain a little maturity here and, and Ben really backs away from the lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, and or or sticks to the much much more mundane, practical material lessons, you know, about chemistry and things of that nature, and really kind of holds back on the magical type, the magical stuff, the sympathy, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So and so, and this is just one kind of left hook after another. The, mm-hmm. These three chapters. So, you know, it starts off the beginning of the downturn is. Quoth does something stupid and Ben really pulls back from him, Mm -hmm. you know, and doesn't really want to train him anymore. I mean, he teaches him, but in a much, much more conservative way. Um, And then the second blow is in the next chapter where Ben decides to leave the troop. Yes. And as we can see, Ben um, meets a hot uh, beer making widow. Who doesn't know how to make beer. Who doesn't know how to make beer. Needs somebody to make that beer. She needs someone to make that beer. Ben got to make that beer. And uh, basically Ben was was out. Yeah, I'm out. He dropped his mic. (laughs) He's like, it's been fun. Um, (laughs) Like sleeping on the ground. Um, But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bounce. Right. So. And so this is... um, you know, it's a big turning point for both his his uh, mentor is leaving, gives mm-hmm. him a book. Yeah, um, they have a big birthday party. So this is um, where um, Quoth actually is turning twelve, I believe, mm-hmm. and yeah. they they have a big party, and um, and he says farewell to his tutor. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and we also get to um, you know hear a little bit about what it's like when the troupe performs, mm-hmm. and. Um, Quoth's father performs a song called um, The Lay of Sir Savian. Mm-hmm. The Lay of Sir Savian Tralliard. And um, this is just, a, um, I don't know. It's a song I always wished I could actually hear because it's, it's just described as being the the best, most awesome song in the world. Yeah, you now know? it's te- very technically difficult. Right. And, you know, and even he would struggle with it, though you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. Right. Um, and later he also performs a very, very little bit of the song he'd been working on about the Chandrian. Mm-hmm. I mean, really just the opening several stanzas. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but that's about as much as he will show. Right. And so we, we again, we, we're getting hints of this character, this historical character, Lanray, and how he was a king. Um Mm-hmm. I, I think in a previous chapter, Ben asked um, Quoth if he knew who Lanray was, and um, he said he was a king who had sold his soul, mm-hmm. but that that wasn't right. Yeah. And so um, there's a lot of, just a lot of mystery surrounding this character mm-hmm. um, that we, we don't really know yet. Um, so well, and they're telling us this for a reason, so. Yes. So it's going to play some bearing into this. Right, absolutely. So, um 
you know, and then months pass. So there's not an immediate um, no, but, change yeah. really. But um, No, but it's a big one. Right. So this is the point. So at the end of chapter 15, mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, here is this Mary Sue mom and dad who were just, oh. they just, you know, they're the most amazing people ever in the world. And then it occurred to me that, well, this is, this is his memory, mm-hmm. you know, so you're, you're getting this, you know, you're getting this through his narration. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not that means he's an unreliable narrator, you know, I don't, I don't really know, but, um, but you're getting this, you know, through his narration. Um, and then, and then, so I'm thinking, well, he's just remembering them in the most positive way that he can. And that was when I was like, oh, well, that's because they're going to die. Oh, you realize that. <laughs> right, right at the there. beginning of that yeah. chapter. I was like, oh, well, I didn't think it was going to be right. the next chapter. Right. But I was like, you know, that that was where I realized, okay, they're doomed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's, you know, because at first I'm like, why these chats are just like, there's no, there's nothing even remotely negative about them. They're beautiful. They're amazing. You know, and not that we aren't beautiful and amazing mm-hmm. parents, you know, but I'm sure our kids could probably find something to, mm-hmm. <laughs> negative to say <laughs> about us. But yeah, that was when I was like, oh, okay, I get it. This is... It's really interesting that you picked up on that. I, I did not. Um, you know, it, it, for me, reading these first 15 chapters, I just thought, oh, what a, they're, they're adorable. What an mm-hmm. adorable couple. Oh, they are adorable. Oh, so great. Yeah. So cute. Oh, their scenes were so um, lovingly written. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's interesting that you brought up um, how Quoth was choosing to remember them. Um, or is he an unreliable narrator? Um, and, and it makes me think about the scene where Quoth is talking to Chronicler about his memory. Yeah. And about how he was going to choose to craft this story. Yeah, and that yeah. Chronicler better not miss a line. Yeah, yeah. You know, that he was going to tell the truth. So this mm-hmm. is his truth. And I do think that probably, you know, he's not he's not choosing to tell, oh, the time my mom, like got really grumpy one morning yeah, of course yeah. He, he's not choosing to tell those he's choosing yeah. for him the important parts of his parents story was the love and the relationship they had with each other yeah absolutely you know yeah. um and um yeah, it just kind of reminded me i'm like because sometimes you get you know you're kind of backing you know you're in between two different narrations mm-hmm. there's two different stories going on um and so Sometimes you forget that this one is a not a flashback. It's not a flashback. It's because a flashback implies that you're kind of there's some sort of third party mm-hmm. observing it. But this is him actively choosing to craft these memories and tell him what he wants him to, to hear. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you forget you forget that you know what which story am I in at any given time? Because mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming that when we're in the quote present time. You know, the narrator is just kind of the unattached third party, mm-hmm. you know, narr- narrator. And what we're, the observations we get there are accurate, but there's no guarantee that the observations we're getting straight out of Quote's mouth are 100% accurate. Right. Or And not that he's, you know, that he's deliberately 
obfuscating anything or telling anything that's untrue. It's just, again, this is his memory and this is how he's choosing to tell the story. Right. And I think probably he is crafting a narrative with a with a point to it. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, what do you tell about the characters of a story? Yeah. You know, what what do you tell people about your parents well, if you're an adult whose parents died yeah. when you were young, you and know? You, yeah, and you spent 12 years with them, mm-hmm. but you're not, you can't go through every single thing that happened in 12 years. You right. need to express what the important parts are. Right. You know, and do it with some degree of economy. Mm-hmm. So... And so, you know, the title for chapter 16, which I never caught before, is Hope, Mm. which is a very interesting, considering... Considering what happens in the chapter. What happens in the chapter. There does not appear to be any hope. No. Not... (laughs) Pretty hopeless chapter. So I have to, like, stop here and and tell a story of what happened the other night. All right, go ahead. Because I I came upstairs. Was there a tree across the... No. You were were in bed and you were reading... And um, I, you'd been up there for a little while, and I came up and I said, "Hey, how you doing?" You went, "I'm fine." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my gosh, is he okay?" And then I peeked around. I was like, oh, "I wonder what chapter he's on." <laughs> and it was this one. And it was this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, "Never mind. I'll go away. I'll just go in here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you to your." That's mother. a bad one. I'm sorry. <laughs> is it's brutal this chapter is brutal and even though it's i don't know i I hate to say like it's it's fantasy violence okay there are there are monsters that came but the you know unfortunately it it is sort of a trope it it is however the i felt the the descriptions and and his feelings were so vivid it really takes you there yeah no you know you really believe this is a, a child who is lost his parent you know Every, witnessed a horrific scene yeah, everybody you know yeah. and he does a really good job describing a, a dissociative mm. state which yeah. is what both finds himself in when yeah, he, he walks in and just sees this not only the surreal mm-hmm. um, picture of everyone he knows brutally murdered but yeah. then these these legendary fairy tale monsters standing there yeah you know and i just i as soon as it said the beginning of the chapter it says you know there's another tree across the road I just, I like, I just, knew, I knew, I'm like, it's an ambush. See, I didn't know until page 83, and this chapter, I, I cry every time. Fifth time through the book, I still makes me cry. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about, he's he his parents sent him off, and there, he's walking away from this yeah, kind of scene, yeah, yeah. and he says, I hope they spent those last few hours well, and I'm like, yeah. <gasps> what? Yeah, exactly. I hope they didn't waste them on mindless tasks, kindling the evening fire and cutting vegetables for dinner. I hope they sang together as they so often did. I hope they retired to our wagon and spent time in each other's arms. I hope they lay near each other afterward and spoke softly of small things. I hope they were together, busy with loving each other until the end came. It's a small hope and pointless, really. They are just as dead either way. Still, I hope. That's why the chapter is called Hope. And this is making me cry again. (laughs) It's a good chapter. You know, I was going through that um, because as soon as I read those words, I was like, well, okay, there's a confirmation of what I suspected was going to happen. But it was an interesting choice that Patrick Rothfuss made to tell it in that way because he could have not done that. He could have not put those, those paragraphs in there. He could have simply said, you know, and so I went off to find this and, you know, and what I came back, you know, and, 
and really kind of hit you with a, a very, very big surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it isn't, not that it isn't already surprising, but to really kind of hit you with, you know, really kind of slap you in the face with something out of the blue. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't. He chooses to put those words in there, um, which lessens the surprise factor, mm-hmm. but it really strengthens the emotional factor. Oh, it's a it's like a sucker punch. It really is, yeah. That paragraph. So it's 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 more impactful, despite the fact that it really isn't at that point as much of a surprise. You know, I, although I guess. I guess it's, I mean, it's still, maybe it's still just as much of a surprise. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it was for me again, because I didn't pick up on like you mm-hmm. did that like, oh, they're, they're too happy. They're probably going to die. You know, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not that cynical. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it's that I picked up on anything. I think, it, you know. Um, so when I read that, that, um, that sentence, I hope they spent those last few hours. Well, I literally was like, <gasps> no, <laughs> you know, I hoped like they would just kind of wander off and. I don't know. Die. I don't know. I knew they probably weren't in his life anymore. But to me, that was a that was a big surprise. And no, then you're it, kind yeah. of again. Then you then you get thrown into this scene, this surreal scene, um, mm-hmm. and um, without any of the suspense of oh maybe his parents are okay or maybe they got away. You know you know yeah, that no, they you didn't. know you know that they didn't. Yeah. Um, and um, you know Quoth just wanders through the camp. Um, there's a wagon wheel that's turned to rust. All the fire is blue. He kind of notices those mm-hmm. things on the peripheral because again, he's just, he's gone into this dissociative state. Yeah. Which made it actually a little harder for me to pick up on those things. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's good writing and, I'm, and I appreciate that it was done that way. But, um, like I didn't, it wasn't until he leaned on the wagon wheel and I was like, what is going on here? Like mm-hmm. I had to kind of go back and read it again because, mm-hmm. As you said, he he portrays this dissociative state so well that these things that are on the periphery, I didn't really pick up on. Or maybe because, like you, I'm kind of reading it in an emotional state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you I tend at least to read faster when I'm looking for kind of mm-hmm. the answers to something, you mm-hmm. know. And, in, and in, in fact, end up missing important details. Right. And then we meet um, Cinder. Yeah. And a couple of these characters. Um, well, and there's nothing about these first, well, Cinder and the kind of guys he's around. There's nothing, at least that I picked up on, that led me to believe that they were anything other than brigands or soldiers. You may, you or, may have skimmed that part. I may have. May, I was, I, I was I also reading like, it late at night. Yes, you were. You were. It was pretty late. Yeah. So, no, pretty much from the get-go, Cinder is described as... Um, a creature you know it's he's very obviously um he says his eyes were black with like a goat's but with no iris his eyes were like his sword and neither one reflected the light of the fire or the setting sun Uh, um that's right right away i could tell this was okay and now and now things are becoming more more clear to me because Mm -hmm. some of the things that he said Mm -hmm. like okay gotcha I'm, i'm i'm putting two and two together now as we're talking about it Right, so we have Cinder, and um, he is talking to someone. Um, well, first he he addresses Quoth and says, "Someone's parents have been singing the wrong kinds of songs." Yeah, and and that and so like my thought, and I guess it was because I, it was midnight when I was tired when I was reading this, was that I thought there's like this Lord Grey fellow have some enemies that you know, like you know, I was <laughs> I'm looking for this much more um, 
rational kind mm-hmm. of explanation. Like, I'm like, is there something politically charged mm-hmm. about like this? You know, like I didn't pick up on that. These are the, the Chandrian. Chandrian, you know, like yeah. I, I didn't pick up on that. So I, I've reread a lot of these chapters, but I did not reread that chapter. I kind of mm-hmm. wish I had. Right. So we learn. So so we have Cinder, who is kind of an unwor- you know, otherworldly creature that mm-hmm. we're assuming is a Chandrian. He's not like, hi, I'm Cinder. I'm a Chandrian. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the clues lead to you to believe that. Now that and, you spell um, it out for me. And um, he um, obviously is just cruel twisted creature yeah that part's um, very obvious he taunt you know he taunts mm. quoth and um his, his taunting gets interrupted by someone named lord haliax and that character was immediately obvious to me that he was not human right like that that part was but i missed it on cinder right and he has haliax seems to have some sort of um supernatural control over cinder he's yeah. he's he is the ultimate master yeah. in that relationship. Well, apparently, they're all lawful to, evil. They are definitely. I don't know. Well, well, it's spoilers. Don't, spo- don't spoil anything. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it. Yes, yeah, Cinder's lawful evil. I'm pretty sure. Okay, gotcha. Um, but so we we also hear the mention of uh, a couple other um mm-hmm. people we haven't heard of: the Amir, the Singers, the Sith. All that would harm yeah. you in this world are the, are the people that Haliax is talking about protecting. Um, cinder from so they're obviously the chandrian have enemies yeah um that are powerful mm-hmm. and in fact at the end of the chapter and the reason that quoth does not get skewered is something comes yeah yeah that was you know and again we stopped reading here so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking okay well clearly i'll figure what out what that is later but right it, but within the chapter it's not at all apparent right what's going on other than they they have the most 1987 death metal emo exit I've ever seen. <laughs> You're so right. I never <laughs> thought of it that way. Like, <laughs> but yeah, they're basically swallowed up by darkness. Yeah, he like know? he opens up his cloak and creates this like you know envelope of darkness, and they all just step into it and then fly off into a shadow in the night. Mm-hmm. It's like. You know, it's like uh, so- something you would see, like the uh, who are the who are the three creatures in the Superman one that were all like they would leap into the sky. I don't know. It's just it's very it's very over the top sort of thing, right? And that's definitely the most overtly fantastical, yes. magical thing that we've seen yes. at this point. Yeah, I mean, up until now, things have been very grounded in sort of like a medieval. Mm-hmm kind of setting yeah day-to-day life but um little bits of the supernatural here and there and now here is so we almost feel quoth's shock as well because for him in his world yeah he's never experienced anything like this yeah yeah you know um and and it is it's it's jarring kind of um scene for sure and definitely a turning point and then um you know the chapter ends with oh just heartbreaking uh vignette of of quoth finding his parents and yeah. mm-hmm. falling asleep in the wagon and then the wagon burning down and, and basically river. it's tough it's terrible it's pretty tough yeah. and um so he it ends with him kind of marching into the woods with the loot on his back and nothing else yeah it took um, his dad's loot and wandering just wandering and um 
<sighs> I almost thought maybe I should have had you read chapter 17 too. No. Palate cleanser? Because you need no. a palate cleanser, but well, oh. I'm going to do that tonight. Okay. So, well, maybe, maybe if there's time. <laughs> so, no. This is uh this is like ending this is like ending right after the red wedding, right after Arya gets smacked in the oh, head sh- with the spoilers. Oh, come on. Are we going to spoil Game of Thrones? No, I guess we're not going to spoil Game Don't of Thrones. Don't spoil Game of Thrones. Okay. Uh-huh. Somebody gets married. Somebody gets married. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Fine. We won't do it. But um yeah, it was interesting to me to kind of look at how he approaches that kind of tragedy because it is different than you might read in a lot of other books. Mm-hmm. So, um, so do we want to talk about? I mean, I guess we've talked about our overall impressions pretty well. Yeah, so we, we need pretty to go much kind of laid it out there. What about predictions? Well, that would be on you. That I would can, be on me. I can. Pred- I'm pretty good at predicting because I read it. I don't think they call that prediction. <laughs> I feel like there's a different word for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't know because that really was kind of a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to go to the university, and I would presume fairly soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but where he goes from here, I couldn't even begin to guess who the people. It was strange to me that somebody quote unquote came and sort of chased off the Chandrian but then nobody showed up on white horses there was no cavalry you know no no bugles no horns no sabers no horses like he just went to sleep uh so who the hell was it that chased them off like that that's a huge unanswered question for me, mm-hmm. but I really don't have any inkling of a guess as to what it is or what else is kind of coming next. Um, I mean, I could see a little bit of a, I could see a little bit of a period of him kind of lost playing and trying to find himself playing music and trying to survive until he eventually works his way into the university. And I'm going to call that my prediction because that's about the only thing I can really guess at this point. Mm-hmm. I think those are good predictions. Yeah. So. Yeah. Did we answer the big question? The big unanswered question of what chapters we're going to do next? Oh, yes. So next we are going to talk about chapters 17 through 29. It's a big chunk, 12 chapters. It is um, It is about 60 pages, 65. So like an hour and a half for you and four days for me? I don't think it would take me an hour and a half to read. Okay. No, I mean, I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm looking at my very scientific method of mm-hmm. yeah, um, yep. about a finger's width of pages. <laughs> you have very small fingers. I have tiny fingers. <laughs> it's like. Amazing I can even hold things with these <laughs> little guys. Um, but but no, so this is okay. my scientific method. It's about it's about that big of a chunk. Okay, gotcha. And in, in the narrative it's a it's a pretty good Okay. stopping point. That's really hard so. to pick at this point. I really would like to just have you read like 
No, no, we're not. We're definitely not going to do way. more than twelve chapters. Okay. All right. Twelve to me seems excessive. Well, that's because there's. But, I mean, like I said, a lot of short two chapters, chapters yeah. and yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't worry about the chapters. I would say so. Seventeen through twenty-nine. Seventeen through twenty-nine. Okay, gotcha. Seventeen through twenty-nine. All right, cool. And it's going to be awesome. I'm sure it is going to be. It's been awesome so far. Good. I'm, so, I'm so overall so impressions. You're you're enjoying the book. I'm enjoying the book so far. I've yeah. been really excited for you to read this book for for years. a long time. Yes, you have. Yeah, and you know my reason for not reading it. It's not finished. It's not finished. I know. And now you've got me reading two book series that aren't finished. I know. And who knows if they ever will be? They will. I'm confident that they will eventually get yes, finished. They will. Probably by Brandon Sanderson. No. <laughs> Brandon Sanderson did an excellent job with Wheel of Time. Okay? I haven't gotten to any of his books yet. I'm oh close. gosh. You got you gotta hang in there to the Brandon Sanderson books. I'm They're hanging. Really good. I'm I'm at I'm really at a low point. <laughs> well, like I said, and, and we're we're gonna like, you know, diverge into Wheel of Time talk here, but books very briefly. You know, nine and ten. That's where I am halfway oh. through nine. Cliff notes. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm only a tiny bit. Not joking. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't do that. I have I, to read it. I but, know, but. But yeah. Well, if you stop and ask yourself halfway through the book, maybe I missed something because I don't, don't feel like anything's happened. It didn't happen. <laughs> you nothing, didn't miss anything. Nothing happens. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Sorry. Understood. Understood. I love. You know, I love the Wheel of Time. It's it's one of my all time faves. You know, the funny because we've. I want to put this out there because we've said or come across in a way that's somewhat negative about Wheel of Time. But when I, you know, I tend to read a couple Wheel of Time books and then do something else, read something else for a while. I miss them when I don't read them. It's, yeah. And and Wheel of Time, especially for, I think, what what it what it's done for the genre. Yeah. Um, was so important. And it for me, it was my first big fat fantasy series that I that I read obsessively. Yeah. You know, over over decades of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I've told you the story of it's my brother. It's probably gonna take me decades I, too. My brother and I uh going to Barnes and Noble the night before a Wheel of Time book was about was to come out. I think it was book eight maybe. Mm-hmm. And trying to like bribe bribe the, <laughs> the bookstore manager to sell it to us. Come on, man. Like we know you have it back there, man. Come on. He man. was like, what? <laughs> What are you talking about? He did have it back there. He did, that son of a bitch. He wouldn't give it to us. No. <sighs> Bunch of losers. Right? The Barnes and Noble. <laughs> Come on, man. Where's your spirit? Brah. <laughs> do you even read? <laughs> Sorry. Um. So do you want to talk about any kind of, and we got to come up with a clever name for this because we don't have one yet, but any kind of like cool fandom news or websites that you want to talk about or stories or do you want to talk about that i have a couple do it i have a couple and then maybe you can talk about something we'll 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 do one at a time or i'll I'll go through two so um related to uh the name of the wind patrick rothfuss uh, was just announced recently to be a writer (gasps) for the new release for mystery science theater 3000 oh that's pretty exciting so he's going to be a writer. I'm loving that. For MSTK3 or MST3K. Sorry. Awesome. Um, awesome. And then also just announced, and just announced 
for us. By the time this podcast gets out, it, it may be old news. I don't know, but um, but Dark Tower, which we knew was going to be made into a movie, mm-hmm. has a release date mm-hmm. now of July twenty eighth, and the two main stars are going to be Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. and Idris Elba. Cool. I've never read The Dark Tower. I haven't either. I haven't either, and I wondered whether that might be one we wanted to do, but we're definitely not going to do it between now and July 28th, because there's eight mm, books in the series. Nope. And I always had a thing against fantasy novels where a dude wields a pistol. I do not have that problem, but um, but yeah, for some reason, not that I have not thought about reading Dark Same Tower, here, yeah. but... I probably will get to it eventually, but I'm like, I'm like knee deep in uh, Stephen Erickson's Gardens of the Moon as well. And uh, it's been a little disorienting, honestly, because both novels are so immersive and I'm like, mm. I'm like going back and forth between these From two. one to the other, yeah. Like good books and I'm reading Name of the Wind and I'm like, but what happened to Tattersail? Yeah, I don't know. Oh wait, just... she's not in this book. Yeah, yeah. I am... Um... You know, the reason you put out for not reading um, The Dark Tower is kind of the same for me. It's just that there's always been something else I've wanted to read more. Yeah. You know. So. It's just it's just never made the top of the priority list. Yeah. Enough for me to want to do it. Though I did, I do have to say, I did initially when it first came out, because I remember when it first came out, I did initially shy away from it solely because it was like a fantasy novel where a guy acted like he was out of a Western and that, to me, was a turnoff, especially after reading, and I won't say the author's name because I don't want to say something negative about somebody mm-hmm. and it be the wrong author, um, but there was a series that came out right at the same time, great cover art, which, you know, when you were, you know, early, preteen, that was important to you. Mm-hmm. And when I started reading those books, it was very much written like a Western, and it turned me off. I was like, I don't like my heroes in my fantasy novels to sound like John Wayne. So now I don't think it would bother me as much. See, I kind of dig Western fusion. It's like, Hmm. you know, but I like weird stuff. That's cool. That's why I like you. Yeah. Fairly weird. What do we say today? Weird people make the world go round. They do. They make all the positive changes in society. It's absolutely true. It's all the weirdos. Yeah. Always. It's like pickles and peanut butter. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, what? That's the Western fusion. I'm trying to think of a good food <laughs> analogy. <laughs> but that's a little too weird. I don't know. I'll come up with it before the <laughs> end late. of the podcast. It's well, late. it's we're at the end of the podcast, so. Oh, never mind. <laughs> so, no, no pressure. <laughs> but you can think of that some other time. <laughs> So I know you have something you wanted to talk about, but we can save that for maybe the next one. Okay, good, because um, I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, re- I'll remind you. Okay, good. When when the tape stops rolling, so to speak. All right. Um, anything else you wanted to say? Oh, the cage match. Ah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk, we'll about, talk that about that next that time. Next time. Yeah, there's not enough time to get there's into not, that. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's awesome. Because yeah. we'll spend some time talking about that. Okay. So. All right. So, yeah, um, don't forget to give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Overcast. Or any other All of these are words that I am saying to you (laughs) that I don't know what they are. (laughs) But it's on a piece of paper, so. 
But I do know this. Okay, you can find us at the Duke and Duchess Podcast.com, Facebook at the Duke and Duchess, Twitter at the D and D Podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's it. For now, yeah. And you're active on Reddit. I did put a post on reddit i said something <laughs> i said something on reddit we're technically i will say another thing on reddit i will say another thing so i do Life not busy. go on the reddit no because i don't want to be spoiled right yes so i don't go on the reddit i enjoy the reddit when i have time for gotcha anything. and i'm i tend to manage the twitter page so tweet at us but don't you spoil me don't don't you yeah don't, don't you do it him. That would be a bummer. I have lived with him and and managed to not spoil him for like what four years now. At least, yeah. That I keep trying to tell you about these books. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm reading this book and it's so good, and but then I don't tell you what. And happens. Then I'm like, uh huh. I can't manage. I I don't know how I've managed it. But yeah, so that's that's it. I'm Liz. I'm Chad. You can call me the Duchess. If yes, you, you can. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done with that joke. You don't have to be. Every you ever pod- have a joke that you know is terrible, but you can't stop telling Do it? Do you know me? Yes. I have so many of those jokes, and Absolutely. so do you. I, yes, I do. Why are you listening to us? Give it time. They'll stop. Okay. All right. Good night. Good night. See, we're charming. We're awesome. I'm leaving this in, by the way.